0: Welcome to episode one of the Abdul Latif Jamil Spotlight podcast series, in which Deputy President and Vice Chairman Fadi Jameel explores globally important issues with experts from around the world.
1: The transition to adopting renewable sources of energy. And making them both practical and affordable continues to accelerate. But there are still many factors on both macro and micro levels that can both inhibit or accelerate this. Hello, I'm Fari Jamil, Deputy President and Vice Chairman of Abdulatif Jamil. Today, I'm in Madrid, Spain, at the offices of Renewable Energy Business, Fotowatio Renewable Ventures. I'd like you to join me for a discussion about how energy storage is one of these critical factors that until recently have been seen as one of the inhibitors to wider adoption of renewable energy solutions. I've come here to investigate how advances in utility-scale battery storage can now be a driving force for a sustainable future.
2: Hello, it's uh, Felipe Hernandez, I'm managing director of FRBX, also engineering and asset management in the company. And my name is David Menendez.
3: My background is in uh, power systems and renewables and I' joined FRB as uh, head of FRBX and FRBX basically is an innovation team focused on the development of new business models along the new energy value chain. Basically we are focused on impact not in the in the research itself and we are You know, exploring technologies from energy storage till uh, software, including artificial intelligence.
1: Can you briefly tell me what technologies out there in battery storage would you be looking for?
2: We are uh, very focused in the technologies that could bring viable uh, business models. So there are several uh, technologies out there, a lot of R&D groups, but right now, we are focusing in the ones that are ready to go to the market, and on this side, what is clearly the dominant uh, technology nowadays is the lithium-ion uh, batteries that is used widely in the industry, from the laptops, mobile devices to electrical vehicles, cars. So, actually, it's a mature technology that allows us to have a enough trust in the technology and warranties. In addition, David is looking for other kind of technologies that maybe he could, he could explain. Yeah, absolutely. So basically uh,
3: traditionally uh, storage has been existing in the power systems from many years ago. Basically, there's uh, globally 100 gigawatts of uh, pump hydro installed worldwide. And nowadays, there are other type of technologies like uh, you know air compressed. There are many types of different stationary batteries from least acid to flow batteries nowadays. And we're exploring also another, you know, new ways to store energy. For example, we are going to explore the possibility to you know, to participate and to implement the storage projects based on hydrogen. So in the future it will be possible to and it's, it's already possible to stored energy and provide services to the grid through the production of hydrogen, through renewables.
2: Actually nowadays with the technologies that we have, we are, our storage projects are based in the short term. We are talking about two, four hours of energy storage. But we have to look also in what is coming because in the future we'll need more Very long-term storage technology where, for example, you can take all the solar energy that you receive in the summer and store that energy to be used in the winter. And it's something that maybe with uh, things like uh, hydrogen or other technologies will be able to do.
1: What advantages does hydrogen have over the current existing technology that is used today? The production of hydrogen today is based on
3: uh, conventional, based on, um, on fossil energies or fossil uh, fuels. So the idea is to create that hydrogen based on what is called uh, green hydrogen, based on renewables. So together f- with uh, wind power of, of solar. And the advantage of hydrogen is that it is the most abundant element in the universe. Um, The earth or in in, in the nature cannot be reached or find in a pure way. So we need to extract it from different components like the hydrocarbons or or other type of uh, organic material. And
2: the advantage of hydrogen is that it will provide us with long-term storage. But also the hydrogen has another important advantage because Nowadays, we are focusing on the decarbonisation of the energy sector. But to meet uh, the global objectives, we need also to work in the decarbonisation of the industry. And with the hydrogen, there are a way to do that, because the uh, hydrogen is a component that is also used in the petrochemical industry and, of course, could be used also in the transport.
0: So hydrogen-based storage could help to transform energy storage systems in the longer term? But FRVX is not just about hydrogen. It's exploring a diverse range of technologies that could provide a step change in how we produce, store, and use energy. The question is, how do you find out which technologies are worth exploring further? Which have the most potential to change our current energy models?
1: Clearly, there's a a plethora of technologies out there promising to be quite cutting-edge. Who do you speak to to find out what's out there? Do, Do you speak to universities? Do you speak to venture capital, uh, are you talking to other renewable companies or energy companies to share ideas or see what's happening? Yeah, yeah. so
3: basically the idea of FRVX is to, to watch and scout those type of energies or, or new technologies, emerging technologies. So we have been working to and trying to create our own ecosystem. So we try to be in contact very close with universities, R&D centers, and technology companies at the same time, we are trying to build relationships with uh, technology providers as battery providers, but also power electronic companies and software enterprises that could bring us a lot of value in the coming years. What we are trying to do is to create that ecosystem that will help us to and uh, will support us to grow to in the coming years. That is the idea.
0: Of course, complex technologies and new energy storage systems need equally complex software and IT systems to operate and manage them. It's another vital area where FRVX is investing in innovation.
1: You mentioned IT systems. How important is that for battery storage? So at the end, uh, a battery
3: storage is a piece of hardware, but uh, it needs also to have a type of software layer, which will try to control and to manage all the sensors and to monitor how the, the plant of the battery itself is going to work. Uh, On top of that, uh, there is an interface with the markets, with the electrical markets, where you need to have a type of interface and try to handle and manage all the communications with the market operator in order to deliver that power and to charge your battery when it's needed.
2: In a project like, for example, Bay or Revenues, come from a very different uh, source of uh, different markets, different sources. We have a stack of revenue and it's not a fixed stack because it will depend of the of the market that is changing from one day to other. But with this kind of system, with the batteries, for example, in this project, we have just two hours a day to be able to go to the market and sell or buy energy. So we need an advanced system that are able to identify what will be the best time each day to charge and discharge the battery and maximize the revenues? based in artificial intelligence and neuronal networks that are able to forecast the different market that are running in parallel and determine which day is the best market and at what time to go and operate the battery. You
1: mentioned the uh, Holes Bay project. Can you please tell me a little bit more about this project? Yeah. So uh, Horsebay is going to be our first project in, in the
3: storage market. It's going to be located in the UK, in the south of the UK, connected to a distribution network. And it's a one-of-a-kind project because it's going to be a, a combination of unique technologies. We have in FRBX uh, a startup mindset. We approach approached uh, Horsebay with this mentality. And in the future, it will allow us to scale those projects globally as the UK is considered one of the test beds for the uh, uh, developing of storage in, in the electricity sector.
2: The location of the project in UK is very important because we think that the UK is an example of how the other electricity markets will evolve.
1: Very exciting. Philippe, David, thank you so much for your time.
0: FRV and Harmony Energy's first joint venture is at Holes Bay, in Dorset, in Southern England. Construction began in January 2020, with commissioning expected later in the year for what will be one of the largest battery storage systems in the UK. Fadi caught up with CEO of Harmony Energy, Peter Kavanagh, to
4: pursue this discussion further. So, I founded Harmony in 2010. Um, We were originally set up as a small-scale wind developer inside the UK, Um, we developed 15 sites um, with the backing of the UK's biggest pension fund, USS. And about four years ago now, we shifted focus um, away from wind onto large-scale energy storage, specifically battery energy storage, and that has led us on to, to where we are today.
1: What role does battery storage play in terms of solar and wind and power generation?
4: Battery storage in our eyes is the missing link from the renewables mix because what we're seeing worldwide now, not just in the UK, is that the cost efficiency of renewables is under costing traditional power sources, but the ability to store it until recently hasn't been cost efficient. So the crucial role that batteries play is um, in the UK has been a brilliant example for the last two months where the wind's been blowing very strongly. Prices in the markets have gone negative because there's no demand for that power. Had they had more batteries, you'd be able to store that power and then use it at times when there's more demand on the network. So we see this as a really exciting time because of where batteries sit in that renewables mix.
0: Batteries clearly have enormous potential to speed our transition to a zero carbon economy. They've been around for decades in one form or another, powering everything from watches to electric vehicles. But this new generation of utility-scale battery technology is groundbreaking
4: in terms of both scope and scale.
1: In layman terms, can you briefly explain the technology behind utility-scale battery storage?
4: There's several different types of technology you can use for energy storage. We are focused on using lithium-ion battery storage. So it's very similar to what we have in electric vehicles, in laptops and phones. You have um, typical battery chemistry of your cathode and anode and the the electrons flowing between the two, depending on whether you're discharging or charging. Um, On on large-scale battery sites, um, the difference is you have a lot of infrastructure built around those battery cells to enable the connection into the networks, which is the the more complicated part, because obviously there's huge amounts of power that are flowing between, and there's a lot of regulation to follow within the UK framework.
0: Lithium-ion batteries are currently the dominant and most effective utility-scale energy storage solution globally, enabling the supply of 100% renewable energy to the grid 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. A huge step forward in our journey to zero carbon. But although the batteries enable more sustainable energy systems, they are not in themselves sustainable.
1: As far as the industry is concerned, what can we do responsibly concerning lithium-ion batteries, end-of-life or any environmental issues concerning that.
4: Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting topic, um, something I'm quite passionate about. I think there's, there's two aspects to this. One is the, the manufacturing process and what elements can you reduce in, the, in that lithium-ion technology or any battery technology. So if you took lithium-ion by example, key components have been lithium and, and cobalt. There are, you know, manufacturers are looking at, say, stripping out the the cobalt element, which I think it's something like 60 65% comes out of Congo. Um, so not particularly great conditions. You know, it's not a perfect world we live in, unfortunately. And I think the second element is, you know, what happens at end of life? What can we do to make manufacturers be more accountable? And I think, you know, maybe having some legislation around recycling, because sort of 95% of the sales can be recycled. And it would be great to have a sort of more sustainable approach to it. You know, it's, it's not an easy one to, to legislate, but I think, you know, and the consumer message is quite strong at the moment. People do want firms to be accountable. So I think sort of the, the consumer pressure will, will ultimately win through and corporates will take more responsible action in that chain. Talking about the UK, What makes it uh,
1: an attractive environment for this kind of innovation?
4: Um, It's because the penetration of renewables is is pretty high right now, and the UK government has set very aggressive targets to push that further. So it's now in binding legislation that the UK must have uh, carbon reduced by 100% from 1990 levels by 2050, which will mean far higher penetration of intermittent sources such as wind and solar. Which in turns, because those sources are intermittent, the storage is the, is the missing link, and in turns means that there has to be a large growth in storage. That could be through stored hydro, um, it could be through flow batteries, it could be through lithium-ion. We think at the moment, lithium-ion looks like the clear winner because you know, a hydro scheme typically takes seven or eight years to build out. It's very expensive. And we're already seeing um, battery cell prices come, come right down to a level where it makes a lot more sense to utilize them and um, have multiple locations dotted across the, the UK network. You talked about several technologies now. And uh,
1: lithium-ion is obviously a market leader. Do you foresee any new technologies in the future? And what does lithium-ion lack that you would like to see? in the technology?
4: Yeah, it's it's a very interesting question and quite a hot topic at the moment. We've looked at, uh, over the last four years since we've been in this space, we've looked at flow batteries, um, which is an exciting space, because the one thing that the lithium-ion does lack is a longer-duration aspect. So you can stack out batteries to be two, four, six, or eight-hour systems. It's quite expensive to do so, and the batteries degrade quite heavily. So, typically, if you're cycling a battery for, say, one hour a day, so you're discharging it fully and charging it fully, it'll degrade by... you'll lose about 30% of the capacity by year 10. So, with a flow battery, conversely, you, you retain a much higher percentage efficiency by year 10. The, the issue at the moment is that because flow batteries aren't been built in a large scale, the pricing hasn't really moved very far. The components of a flow battery are, you know, cheaper if you could get the volume up to to a certain level that lithium ion has got to, but it's hard to see that now with what's happening with EVs, which you know better than most. Um, and in terms of the ramp up in the EV space, it's huge, and that's really driven the price of lithium ion down further. And we see that going further on over the next few years. With the plethora of new technologies, do you see
1: companies as yourself using? different technologies for different environments in the future?
4: Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, we'd love to be able to use things like, I guess, you know, flow batteries for ultra long duration elements. And we would look at doing some, um, what we call behind the meter things. So for example, um, data centers use huge amounts of energy. How do you twin solar and batteries to work on those facilities? And it's really, we are, we're open to any, you know, With Harmony, we are open to any ideas coming in In terms of technology. We're not fully married to lithium-ion forever and a day. We sort of embrace any sort of new technologies coming through, but at the same time, it's got to be investable, and that's why we are sticking with lithium-ion at the present time.
0: Lithium-ion batteries are the centrepiece of the Holes Bay project, a a first-of-a-kind development in the UK and Europe that will utilise cutting-edge control and storage technologies the scheme will see a system of lithium-ion batteries with a combined capacity of 15 megawatt-hours connect to the local distribution network, providing the capability to store energy from renewable sources and give crucial flexibility to the grid.
1: Holds Bay project uh, in which FRV is participating with you. Could you tell me a little bit about this project?
4: Yeah, sure. Um, So the Holds Bay project is a 7.5 megawatt, 15 megawatt-hour facility. So that means it will produce uh, two-hour duration power. Um, It's based on the south coast of England, connecting into Scottish and Southern Energy Network. It's super exciting for us because we've been sort of looking at the space for four years now, and this is our first project. And uh, it's obviously FRV's first as well, so we're very um, honored to be the first one globally. We are mid-construction at the moment. Um, The batteries have been delivered on site at the end of March and we hope to be switched on by the end of May and uh, fully trading come June this year. So, yeah, very exciting times. I look forward to that
1: uh, day and I I hope to visit very soon in the south uh, south of the UK. Generally speaking, what more needs to happen in terms of technology or government policy, if anything, to speed up the adoption of utility-scale battery storage solutions?
4: So uh, in the UK, specifically, it's mainly, I, th- I think, you know, government policy has slowly changed through through Ofgem. Things like um, network charges um, weren't really in favor of batteries until recently, so this is changing, but it's just changing a lot slower than we'd like it to. We don't... You know, we would like subsidies, but we don't need subsidies to make it work. We would just ask the government for a more level playing field. So for example, um, UK, you know, still effectively subsidizes North Sioux Oil, subsidizing Hinkley Point Nuclear. Batteries is such a key element of the renewables mix. You know, they, they really need to take a closer look at this to accelerate development because we know in the UK, in isolation, wind, onshore wind, is the cheapest form of power. And in order to increase the number of uh, wind farms we have in the UK, you do need to increase the storage capacity. So the government needs to make it um, a more, I guess, more relaxed planning regime to enable a higher penetration to come through into the market.
0: Given the urgency of our climate emergency, Addressing these issues and creating a level playing field for more sustainable energy systems has never been more important. The winds of change are surely blowing in the right direction. And of course, with change comes
4: opportunity.
1: Apart from regulation and policy, what hurdles stand in the way of the storage sector?
4: So the biggest single hurdle we've had to date, uh, bearing in mind we've been at this four years, has been funding. Um, So what we're seeing is that most funders... Bank debt funders, particularly which you know, have traditionally funded wind or solar developments up to sort of 80%, are not really participating in this market in any major way yet. And the reason is they and other investors are used to long-term contracted government subsidies on wind and solar, which gives them a very stable cash flow. And we're now moving to what we describe as a merchant market where we're trading the energy. It is higher risk but we see very exciting levels of returns on these projects. And we think the market will turn because these banks and the large pension funds we know well are sat on large amounts of capital that they have to deploy. The public pressure is for them to deploy it into the renewable energy space. And as we see certainly younger generations moving through that pressure will become more and more so because um, they are wanting banks and and pension funds to account for their investments and you know if you're a pension fund now sat on 50 60 billion of capital and you've only allocated 5% into renewables you're going to look pretty bad from an investor's point of view and if these projects are proven to deliver attractive returns why wouldn't the banks and pension funds become more active
1: where would you like to see Harmony Energy in the next five years?
4: Um, I would like to see us move out of the UK to other markets, but in the UK specifically, I would like to see us get to sort of one gigawatt in batteries. Maybe not all connected within that time frame, but certainly have a, the pipeline developed out to that sort of size. And then I think there's some other really interesting markets to look at globally as well. But, you know, our... Our bread and butter is the UK market, we understand it very well, uh, we understand the grid very well, so I really want to focus on on that area of expertise we have.
1: What other promising markets uh, for harmony energy do you see in the future, after the UK?
4: Um, so I think any country which has um, a reasonable amount of intermittent renewable penetration already, so anywhere with lots of solar or wind, is of interest, so you know, with us. Australia, obviously, you're very active there already. Any country like that is going to need a lot of battery energy storage to make their grid facilities work properly. And we're seeing now, not just in the UK, wind is the cheapest form of power, but in multiple jurisdictions around the world, solar is the cheapest form of power, for example, Australia. This is only going one way, the way we see it, because the cost of solar is coming down, the cost of wind is coming down. It's undercutting traditional fuel sources. And the missing link has always been, look, how do you store that power? If you crack that dilemma, you solve the the energy problem to a large extent.
0: Fadi Jamil was speaking with Philippe Fernandez and David Menendez of FRVX, and Peter Kavanagh, CEO of Harmony Energy. Join Fadi next time when he'll be discussing the global water crisis and issues affecting the industry.